This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with the App Show. John Bueller in studio with Graham Williams. How's it going? It's going extremely well. It's good to have you back. Yes. Yeah. Welcome. It's good to be back. Good. Yes. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, big news. Yes. In Spain, I proposed to my girlfriend. And she said yes. And she said yes. Fantastic. It was great. All right. Yes. And I'm not too jet lagged yet. <laughs> so we've got a pretty awesome show ahead. We do. What's going on? So uh, we're going to talk about putting your cell phone tower in space. I like it. So when you're in a rural area, you can get cell service. Yeah. Sounds pretty cool. I just threw that up on my own rocket. And that's, that's right. Okay. Well, we're going to ha- we're gonna have Charles Miller. He's the CEO and co-founder of Link. It's a company that has actually put stuff on a rocket and put it into space. We're going to talk it. about what he's doing and uh, when it's coming. Excellent. We're also going to talk about Apple and their settlement for slowing down iPhones. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of money involved here. I'm, I'm interested to talk to you about this. Yes. So. Yes. We'll have, we'll have a good chat about that. And we're going to talk about something you may not have heard of called Quibi. Okay. This is something you're not going to be able to avoid very soon because they have a lot of money into this new streaming service and they have some pretty big players involved. So, uh, but it only works on your smartphone. I was just thinking the other day, I need another streaming service that is exclusive to my smartphone. This is great to have this come along. That's Perfectly right. timely. All right. All right. So let's talk about the news first. Yeah. So one thing that uh, has popped up uh, this past week is that Microsoft is about to unveil an antivirus for iOS and Android. Is this something that we need? (sighs) Okay, well, so here's the thing. Walled Garden on the Apple side, right? Apple does a fairly decent job of keeping uh, stuff out of there that shouldn't be there. Uh, Things that kind of wander in, they never really get very far because the permissions on iOS are fairly locked down. You can't do a lot of stuff that Apple doesn't want you to do. And in most cases, that's good for all of us. Google is a little bit more permissive with Android, right? You can kind of, you can can root the operating system fairly easily. and Windows Defender has actually been a phenomenal antivirus on Windows. If you're still using Windows out there, and a lot of people are, yep. uh, Windows Defender has actually been a, uh, an antivirus of choice for a lot of folks. Um, my thought here, though, is I think this is kind of useless on iOS. Yeah, well, they're talking about having you know a, a true antivirus experience on iOS. And I'm like, I haven't really heard of a lot of problems on the iOS side of the equation because there's not a fake iOS store, yeah, like there is on Android. And what is the true antivirus experience anyway? You know, every once in a while, you get a pop up that says you need to scan your phone. Now, I, I could be I could be misunderstanding this. This could actually be useful um, as preventing your iPhone from being a vector for antivirus being spread to other things. Yes, right. Because uh, you know, we when we get email in on our phones, um, it was it's also syncing to our computers and uh, and to our laptops. So, say for example, you get an email in that has a, a, a virus or a malware payload that could infect another system, perhaps even a, a Windows-based system, this is actually a, a nice little sort of catch basin to get that stuff. But if they're looking at protecting the iOS operating system, I'm not seeing the benefit here. Well, it's, it seems like this is going to be also part of Microsoft's enterprise platform. So if you work for a big corporation, this will be good for your IT people to be able to better make sure, like you said, that you're not going to be a carrier of uh, some malware or something like that inadvertently by just by passing that that uh, PowerPoint presentation or that email from an outside person through your inbox, uh, and this will let them flag that and, and, and contain it. So, you know, I, I can see this working if it's free. 
Yeah. Right? Like, free is a good price. I can see it working if it's included in Office 365. If they're looking for money for me on this, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's be interesting to see what happens with that. So let's uh, let's talk about something else here. We've got um, <laughs> WhatsApp finally available in dark mode. <laughs> now, you and I have talked about WhatsApp a lot. I I use it reluctantly because mm-hmm. I have friends on Android that don't. I can't iMessage. It works good for groups. You know, we go on these media trips. All the journalists get grouped together, and I don't have to have all their contact information to actually have a chat with them to find out where we're going for dinner or whatever. It makes sense. But it always felt like, to me, it was like a Windows 95 program. Yeah, it's it's ugly. Yeah, It's yeah. very, very ugly. Like, that default background wallpaper is hideous. And for me, aesthetics, they mean a lot. Yeah. I realize. I'm, I'm not shallow. I'm just visual. <laughs> um, but uh, dark mode, obviously, it's one of those things where nowadays when you don't have a dark mode, it's kind of shocking. Yes. Right? Um, you know, I, I, I fired up my phone the other day, and I've actually got my phone to switch uh, from light to dark with sunrise and sunset. And it's uh, it's getting early and earlier in the morning where I kind of sit there and go, I'm actually going to switch back to dark mode for a few hours. Yeah. Well, I'm just so used to it because I have it on default on all of my devices wherever it makes sense to. And I actually find it really jarring when I have a white background now or a light color background. So, mm-hmm. but that's just me. Maybe I'm a goth kid inside. <laughs> WhatsApp dark mode. Go try it out, folks. Yes. Well, and everything has dark mode now. Yeah. You know, Facebook Messenger. Uh, you don't have to do this crazy little emoji Fa- thing. Facebook itself doesn't, though. No. No. It's no. That, that, that glaring beacon of evil in yes. the middle of the night. Maybe that's <laughs> your, your cue to turn the, turn the darn thing off. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a break. But before we go, we're going to just remind you to enter our contest. Uh, this month, we've got a new prize. It's a Google Nest Mini. Nice. So all you need to do to sign up for that is go to getconnectedmedia.com. Click on the newsletter tab and subscribe to our newsletter. That's cool. all you have to do. You're automatically entered into the contest and all future contests. And we've been giving away some pretty great prizes. Google Nest Mini, great little prize. Uh, so sign up there. And when we come back, we're going to talk about satellite 4G from space to your phone. Okay. Is it possible? All right. All right. Back after this. And you're back with the app show. It's John Beeler in studio with AJ Vickery. Uh, we've got a really cool guest on the phone and on, on video, if you're watching our video podcast, um, he, Charles Miller is with, uh, link and they do some really cool stuff with your cell phone in space. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What more do you need to say? (laughs) Thanks gentlemen. Yeah, that's. You know, your your radio is just always probably is conventional wisdom that your your phone could connect to a satellite in space. It's like this is like uh, this is common sense to them. Hmm. It's it. Well, the first time I uh, you know saw uh, what you guys were up to, I think we came across it in a Wired um, news article. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like you know, you can't put these cell towers, you know, all over the world because the world's covered by an ocean. So. You know what makes perfect sense is to actually connect these via via satellite. And what what happened is nobody ever thought this was possible, hmm. right? People people thought this was impossible. They just assumed you could not connect a standard phone that's in your pocket to a satellite that's flying hundreds of kilometers over your head. And and if you go do the fundamental physics in the link budget and go to first principles, you actually can figure out how to do that. And that's what we started doing about five years ago, is that uh, conventional wisdom is wrong. 
that the phone in your pocket actually has enough power, if you know how to build satellites and you know the, the phone cell, cell phone technology, to connect your phone everywhere. And so our whole business is, and we're going to make this as easy and seamless as possible. It's going to be, it's going to be added to your service, wh- whoever your mobile network operator is. I think uh, you got a bunch in the, you got Rogers and Bell and 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 others in Canada, tell right? Us, yeah. Your listeners, mm-hmm. tell us. So three major competitors. So you'll get this our service through your M and O, and we'll just be another roaming provider. So. Um, you know, when you roam outside of your network, your your mobile network operators have roaming agreements. You'll roam onto somebody else's network, but it's still your phone. You don't even know it. And so when you roam outside of where a terrestrial tower is, you'll roam onto our space cell tower network, and you'll stay connected. And uh, so that's that's the future. It's, it, it's a future that really is inevitable. Once you figure out the fundamental physics and the engineering how to do it, the rest is... Uh, you know, a matter of just good, solid engineering and execution and, and, and making it happen because um, it's a huge global problem. Ninety percent of the world does not have connectivity. There's five over five billion people have phones in their pockets. And at any given point in time, our data is that about 750 million people are in an area where they don't have a cell tower they're connected to. It's about 15 percent on average. Wow. And uh so that's that's 750 million people saying, "Dang it, why was my phone not connected?" And so we have a we have a solution. So so just uh, I mean we don't need to get out the whiteboard and um, and and explain <laughs> this, this, but I mean, so when I'm like outside with my phone and you know I'm not getting a great signal and I'm like, oh, I'm not near a tower or something like that. I mean it's really frustrating. And this tower is like on a hill, close to right. me, within like you know kilometers and whatnot. Um. God forbid I go inside and try to get a signal. So, so how how can like how can you do this? I know you're saying conventional. So the there is a different issue that you're encountering. It doesn't have to do with fundamental physics. Um, when when that happens, you either have an issue with reflections or interference, or um, maybe maybe the it's not beamed right at you. So there's lots of other issues. So the fundamental physics of of radio frequency wireless is that the power um, gets weaker over the distance squared. But they, but that's, cell towers are pointed like this, right, this way, mm-hmm. horizontally, and they, they have to deal with lots of other problems. you got interference, you got reflections, and in itself interference, you got trees, you got hills, a whole bunch of other issues that cause problems that they have to solve for as cell towers. And so as a general rule, if you're a cell tower engineer, um, it falls off much faster than over the distance squares. If, in, in general, RF engineers and cell towers, you know, have various frequencies or rules of thumb that it falls off to the 3.2 power or the 3.4 power. And so, but for us, when we're the satellite's directly over your head, you're not getting all these reflections. You're not getting the interference in the trees and the shrubbery and all that type of stuff. So we can go back to first principles that like uh, satellite companies do and space space companies is that it falls off to the distance squared and so if you have a clear field of view you'll always stay connected um so you do lose a little power when you go inside um and uh so you may lose a little performance and 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 you know so an initial version of the system that may 
you know, if you're out in your remote cabin, you go inside, you may, you may lose a connection in the worst case, instead of having to walk 10 miles, you might be step outside. But over time, we'll get more and more performance. And, and, uh, even in remote cabins, you'll get connectivity there. And, and, uh, so we, the future is you'll be connected everywhere. This sounds great, but this sounds like it might be expensive as well. Mm. Oh, it's, uh, it's, so it's, Oh, it'll be more expensive at the beginning than it is later, just like anything, right? A new technology. There is So the issue that we have is not that the marginal cost of sending a bit down to another user is essentially zero. The real issue from a, a price pricing service is there's 5 billion people without connectivity. And once we, once we get into business, what we expect, there's going to be so much demand for us, it's going to that we're worried it will swamp our, our initial network, that we you have to use Adam Smith to balance supply and demand, right? So you need to at initially charge a higher price so you don't swamp the whole network. There's so much use that nobody gets a service. But over time, just like 2G to 3G to 4G to 5G, um, uh, we will reinvest in our network and get much more performance and rapidly bring down prices. So there's a short-term effect but over the long term, it's it's and then the other thing is it's going to be priced by your mobile network operator. Um, we will sell wholesale to the your mobile network operator, your phone company, and they will actually determine the end price to you. And you will have plenty of options. So if Rogers is charging more th- than Bell, which is charging more than Telus, you're going to have if and you want our and you use a lot of remote connectivity on our. Uh, on our service, you can choose. You can you can choose to move from one to the other. So you'll be have plenty of options. And over time, as I said, price will come down fast. What are some of the biggest challenges you've encountered so far? Oh gosh! So the first big encounter is uh, overcoming the the conventional wisdom that that uh, most people didn't think this could be done. Um, and uh, um, so we went to. The, the first, the, and in fact, we made sure we went to a half a dozen world experts on RF communications five years ago because we didn't want to waste our own time. It's like, what are we missing here? And uh, we went to like the experts at NASA GAPL that do the deep space communications to the, the satellite that's outside the solar system. They are world experts in RF and wireless. And they basically looked at, at uh, our strategy and our plan and our, and our link budget and said, this works. We're shocked. Everybody that, that so the, what was, you know, considered to be impossible five years from now is now making news and like wired. And now we, you know, you know, it's a, a lot of people jumping on that, uh, you know, the, the world is changing fast. That's very cool. I'm still kind of awestruck about the ability to go somewhere remote, be on top of a mountain and having s- satellite based cell service. That just sounds like we're living in the future. It does. So you have you have um, a number of folks that have already signed on um, to test this market. A number of them. We have uh, thirty six uh, partners right now testing with this. Mm-hmm. I think uh, twenty seven of them are mobile network operators, phone companies around the world. They're in sixty two different countries. Uh, we actually are overwhelmed by the amount of of interest and demand in this. We've 
Um, so we have our third spacecraft up today. It's testing right now as we speak mm -hmm. around in different countries around the world. Are we talking on and it our, right now? <laughs> oh, not yet. Not yet. It's, it's in test phase. We're just we're we're uh, work. It's a prototype, mm -hmm. and our fourth prototype, Cell Tower in Space, um, is launching actually tonight on a SpaceX rocket. So we we're launching like every six months the next generation prototype. We're rapidly developing the technology. It's uh, basically proven, um, and uh, we'll be telling the world soon about some, you know, more about it as as soon as we're we're ready. But uh, you know, this this is coming soon. Is, so. there, is there a competition like like the um, networks, for example, here in Canada, were built by the network operators like Bell yep. and Rogers? Uh, so one of your networks, and I can't say who, mm -hmm. is actually one of our partners, oh, one wow. of those twenty-seven partners I mentioned. Ah. So we'll be. I guess We're, this is we not will be, because he didn't you know, know that name. <laughs> yeah, we'll be testing in Canada in the near future. Wow, cool! That's very exciting. Thank you so much for joining us, Charles. So, where do people okay, find thank out you, more? Where, where can um, people um, learn a bit more? You can go check out uh, www.link.world, right? L y n k dot world. That's uh, and find out more about us. Fantastic! Thank you so much. That was Charles Miller. He's the co-founder and CEO of Link. They're putting a satellite cell tower in space. That's very cool. Very cool. Thanks for joining us, Charles. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Take care. You are back with the App Show. John and Graham in studio. Now let's talk about Apple's big settlement. Mm -hmm. $500 million is what they've been fined for slowing down your iPhone. Yes. Now let's let's actually put this in perspective, right? Um, when we say slowing down your iPhone, this was not a deliberate attempt to get you to go buy a new phone. Uh, this was actually in response to some complaints that people had. Now I had this complaint as well, which was I was using my iPhone four back in the day, and I was using my iPhone five back in the day. And you probably found this: you get to a couple of years of life in your phone, you sit there, you try to do something, you boot an app, you try to take a picture with Flash, and then suddenly you're at like 30% battery and then your phone shuts off as if there's no battery left. That's a problem. And so you sit there and you're like, no, I could have swore I had battery life left. So what did you do? You turned your phone back on and sure enough, it boots back up and it's got 30% battery. <laughs> and it continues to run until you try to do something battery intensive again. Yep. And so this was a flaw that we saw in phones from everybody, from Samsung, from LG, uh, and from Apple. And what was happening was, over the life of your phone's battery, uh, your battery couldn't supply enough power anymore when your phone tried to do something strenuous on the battery. When it asked for more power than the battery could produce, uh, the phone just couldn't do it, and so it shut off. There was no power to the processor, phone shuts off, and doesn't reboot. And for a lot of us, that's that's a problem, right? You know, if I am, say, for example, in an emergency, I'm in an accident scene, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to call 911, and my phone shuts off, that's a problem. So Apple, Samsung, and others all came up with a brilliant solution for this. And you know what we'll do is when the battery gets to a point where it can't supply that peak power anymore, we're going to throttle back the processor. We're going to slow the phone down so that you never end up in a situation where your phone is shutting off on you. That's a great solution. It actually is a really good idea because the operation of the phone at the core level is, is more important than the speed of the phone. Where did they goof? They didn't tell anybody about it. They just did it. Yes. So it seems a little backdoor dealy kind of... Seems like shenanigans. Yes. Let's call them what they are. They're yes. shenanigans. All right. So that, that's a problem, right? Yeah. And I think you and I kind of, we, we all went through this where you're like, 
this thing was great and a new operating system comes out because this came out through an update. Yes. And then suddenly it seemed like your phone was going slower and everyone's going, well, you know, they slow these things down. So you buy a new one. It's planned obsolescence. This, I mean, so I, I, you know, I've worked in communications for 20 years. And when I take a look at this, as far as a communications blunder, this is probably in my probably the number one all time from a company, especially from a company like Apple, which historically their older devices, when they get a new update, they're much more optimized and you actually sometimes get a performance boost, Yeah, which is, you know, so this was very different experience for a lot of people. And it was really frustrating for people like us that recommend these products. Like, I don't know. Yeah. They didn't tell us why this was happening. And th- this is this sort of is a new uh, category of products. I mean, it's been around for 13 years. But when this was happening, this was, you know, five, six, seven years into this. And we're still kind of discovering with these new processors how they age. So was it the processor getting slower? Was the software just not optimized? Or is it there's something going on in the background? The real problem here is that Apple actually had an opportunity to come out ahead of this and say, hey, we've identified that this is what happens. So we have come up with a solution. And of course, as this all came out, you know, the, the solution was, well, one, we have to admit, yes, we've done this. We goofed. Uh, two, we're going to put a switch in so you can turn that off so you have control of your experience, which at the time, Apple was this company that couldn't get their claws out of their own stuff, right? You know, we're getting to a point now where we're seeing them let go, just let, unclench just a little bit. <laughs> Unclenched. It's the right. word of the day. And, uh, and you know, the problem was like batteries for Apple products typically are anywhere between 60 and $90. And so for a lot of us, when we were looking to get more life out of our phones, not realizing that a new battery would have fixed this, a 60 to $90 battery instead of buying a new $700 iPhone is a great deal for a lot of people. And so they, they basically, they fell on their sword a little bit. Uh, they ended up uh, giving a lower price battery uh, to everybody, right? Yep. I had a brand new iPhone 10 and they gave you a whole year to do it. So a year into my iPhone 10, I went and got a new battery. It was still pretty decent, but I wanted that one year new battery, which I got for $29 Canadian, yep. I think, 35, yep. something like that. Um, so great. They've kind of, they've admitted, they've done this. Of course, what comes out of it? A class action lawsuit. Of course. And so Apple gets fined half a billion dollars, or as Tim Cook calls it, pocket change. <laughs> Lunch money. Um, and so do you, do you know the, the average dollar amount going out to the average iPhone user right now, which you can claim as part of the suit? I do. Please, please share. $25. <laughs> so that covers my battery. Uh, <laughs> 25 US. 25 US. Yes. Uh, I mean, this this is an interesting thing. I, it's, a, it's a slap on the wrist for Apple. And I think they've learned their lesson. I think they've lost more in goodwill and PR with the way that they handled it, yeah. as well as should. But I feel like they've learned their lesson. Uh, communicating is actually better than not communicating. It's like being in a relationship. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, tell me what's going on, Apple. That's right. Yeah. Don't text me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there there are details on how to claim that online, I believe. Yeah. You There's... It's still unclear how this is going to affect Canadian purchases, for example. Uh, all I've The only things I've found so far is specifically to the U.S., which is where this class action happened. Uh, but uh, I've actually owned a few U.S. Uh, iPhones, mm-hmm. so maybe I'm actually entitled to my $25 slap. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. Uh, you can take us out for drinks. <laughs> That's right. Excellent. All right. When we come back, we've got more to talk about, including a new streaming service you probably haven't heard of called Quibi. Quibi. Back after this. You are back with the app show, John and Graham in studio. 
Graham, have you heard about Quibi? I've not. So Quibi is something that uh, was everywhere at CES, at least ads for it. How did I miss this? I don't know. Uh, I kind of blocked it out because it was just so prevalent. Um, But it's a really weird service that's coming to Canada in April. And it's a streaming service. Oh, good. Great. Another one, (laughs) right? Um, But they've got some pretty big backers behind it. They've got over $2 billion dollars of investment money. They've got some really big names. Uh, the founder is Jeffrey Katzenberg. Okay. So, you know, not someone you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've signed on some pretty big talent to do content for the streaming service. The weird catch with the service is it's only for your smartphone. So you can't watch this on a TV. You can't stream this on your iPad. It's just for your smartphone. Just, and so you can't airplay or anything like that? I don't know. Um, but it's vertical video. Vertical. Okay. Well, Samsung's got that new TV that <laughs> rotates. So perhaps. It's the Quibi TV. Yes. Uh, it's like, so, finally, someone built something for us. <laughs> straight up vertical video. So this has been something that's been kind of interesting because, uh, you know, I, I, I teach social media and digital storytelling in a couple of different places. And we've been talking about IGTV, Instagram TV yes. for a long time. And it's been hard to get people to buy into the idea of vertical video. Um, it's kind of happened in a few places, right? TikTok's kind of like that. Um, you know, the, the joke is that we've got two eyes side by side and not vertically, which is why you should turn your darn phone sideways. It's hard to hold on that way. Yeah. I mean, well, and like all of our cameras out there are, are, they're designed to shoot in sort of that widescreen format. So I don't know if people are flipping these things up on their side for this. So vertical video only on your phone and it is a subscription service. Yes. And this is an interesting thing. So in Canada, it's going to be $6.99 a month with ads or 10 bucks a month without ads. All right. So kind of par for the course. Is anybody out there going to say that ads are worth $3 a month? Uh, no, no. Well, it's, it's like, I can't imagine the amount of time that I would waste watching ads at that point for like the price of less than a Starbucks latte. Right. Uh. Well, but I'm still struggling with the fact this is a streaming service. I can only watch on my phone. Mm. Um, it sounds like they're going to have some pretty big players creating content for this. Mm. Um, and it's still, I'm still not sure this is the place that I want to watch content. They're looking at having some big, like Hollywood style or Netflix style motion pictures that are delivered in small little chunks. Okay. So serialized content, five minutes a week, kind of chunks, though. five minute serialized vertical video content. Yes. This thing's dead on arrival, isn't it? <laughs> It's, this is something I've struggled with. It's like, I don't know if this is going to work because this is not appealing to me at all. What amazes me is how do they raise $2 billion? Like literally I would be sitting in the room with somebody pitching this to me and be like, really? Vertical, five minute, serialized, $10 a month or with ads. Yeah. 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 I know. But I, you know, it's always about the content. Yeah. Right. I, I subscribe to Disney Plus just for The Mandalorian. Fair. So. It's interesting because like I find myself when I am out on the go and my phone is the only platform that is with me, occasionally I will find myself watching video. And it's not a problem to flip the phone sideways. And I do get that beautiful picture that we're kind of used to. Um, vertical video to me has always felt very cramped. Right. Yes. I, feel, I feel a little breathless watching it. I feel, you know, constrained, claustrophobic, if you will. Well, one of the things that does pique my interest a little bit about Quibi yeah. 
Jeffrey's got Steven Spielberg involved. Okay. So maybe having that caliber of content creation, they're going to find something interesting to do in that cramped little format. Like Close Encounters, the two and a half kind? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> E.T. Text Home? I don't know. It, it's it's puzzling to me. And but, Raiders of the Lost R? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you even fit the fonts that way? You don't, yeah. So, um, but there's a lot of companies that are going to be producing content in Canada. Okay. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how compelling this content is uh, on this platform. Yeah. So um, uh, on another station who produces news content, mm. they're producing content for Canadians on this platform as well. Uh, but I'm just not sure people are willing to pay for this type of content. This might be something that would be great free for six months to sort of whet your appetite. Mm-hmm. You know, and even Apple TV Plus had that. You get it free with uh, uh, any, you buy just about anything Apple, you get it free. Yeah. And I've for got a, year. Like, so here's the thing. I've been watching stuff on Apple TV Plus and really enjoying it. Uh, did, have you seen Servant? Not yet. No, Weird. I heard. M. M. Night Shyamalan and Weird and like good Weird. Um, Like For All Mankind, I just started watching that. Really good. Yeah. Uh, C, I've only seen the first episode, but hey, Vancouver. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, but that's the thing is because there's no cost to it. I bought a new iPhone 11 Pro. I feel like I'm getting my money's worth here. Asking me to take a risk on this five minute serialized Steven Spielberg. I, well, and I think we had these similar conversations about Apple TV Plus before we got the trailers for the shows, yeah. right? So maybe, you know, let them do their marketing pitch and see if we change our minds. Well, I'm just, I'm going to, you know, contrast these a little bit. I've got, again, five minute vertical content being given to me versus like Dolby Vision HDR, you yeah. know, with Jason Momoa. Right. A bit of a difference. So yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. We, should, we shouldn't do the internet thing. We should wait and see yes. what they come out with. But my initial reaction is $2 billion invested in. Eh? A fool and his money are soon parted. Yes. Sure. Somebody has a new yacht. <laughs> but it's not me. All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to take a break first. And when we come back from that, we're going to talk about favorite app of, this week, of the week. Okay. And it's, it's a pretty fun one, actually. I think you might enjoy it. So back after this. You were back with the app show, Graham and John in the studio. It's favorite app of the week time. And this week I've got a pretty fun one. Uh, this is called Make It Perfect. It's free uh, with ads uh, or you can pay to get rid of them. Android, iOS. Uh, it's just a really fun little game where you are basically tasked with hundreds of levels to get through organizing things. Uh-huh. So <laughs> an example would be a bunch of dishes in the dish rack all different sizes and order, you have to organize them. Okay. Very simple. Move on to the next level. Uh, next level, you have to tear off the little frayed bits of paper on a notepad so it's one <laughs> clean piece of paper. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. And there's literally hundreds of levels. And it's funny, reading the reviews for this game, there's a lot of people like, I'm stuck on this level. How do I get past it? Yeah. And it's like, it's not a really a review. It's just like, I need to finish this level or I'm not going to be complete. <laughs> so uh, I think it's going to be a highly addictive game, especially if, even if you have a little bit of OCD in you. Fair enough. Can, can I can I tell you about the one compulsive thing that I have? And that is when I go over to my friend's houses and they have the plastic still stuck onto their electronics. Oh my God. Right? You know, like a little, little bit on the microwave that's there or the tiny thing that's covering up the logo on your TV. My, my biggest issue is people that leave it covered on their little... Uh, 
USB charger blocks. Yes. I'm like, that's a fire hazard. Yeah. You're this thing. Those things heat up. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm a bit of a ninja on those. I go in and I usually will take them and tear them. And you know, you see that betrayed look on their face and you're like, no, this is, this is good for both of us. Trust me. That's probably a level in this game. Uh, you know what? I like that. Uh, can I tell you the cool thing that I've been doing recently? Yeah. Um, so you remember back in 1997, <laughs> Yes. Uh, the, the, the PlayStation was a, a new and nascent system. And there was a game that came out that I, th- I think for a lot of people was like the game of a generation. Final Fantasy VII. Yes. I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. I've been playing since the very first one. Uh, Final Fantasy III, uh, which was actually Final Fantasy VI, uh, came out as Final Fantasy III here in North America. It was probably my favorite game until this thing came along. And so for years, Sony has been teasing us. Uh, Sony and Square Enix have been teasing us with a remake of this game. Because when it came out, games were blocky, right? You know, they didn't, they didn't look very sexy. There was, there was uh, you know, grainy, choppy video in it. Yes. And so they announced that they were going to be releasing a remake. And they're going to split the game up into three parts because they're actually bringing this game to life in a whole new way. Like flushing out areas that you've never been able to go to before, making the characters look realistic, like the Final Fantasy movies that came out. And uh, so back in late 2019, uh, the demo leaked. And I've been kind of on a self-enforced blackout, but I, had to, I got a chance to end that this week because the demo is out now. Uh-oh. And so I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you've got a PlayStation 4 at home, uh, I would recommend you go and download this because it is beautiful. Uh, the gameplay is fantastic. Instead of uh, turn-based play, they've actually got a slowed action. So you can take time-making decisions, but the, the action's always kind of moving forwards. Uh, and even in this demo, there are areas that you could not explore before, and it's absolutely beautiful. If you don't own a PlayStation 4, uh, find someone that does. <laughs> Go to Graham's house. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have this week for the App Show. I want to thank Graham, Stephen, and everyone else that helps put the show together. Uh, make sure you sign up for our newsletter, getconnectedmedia.com. Enter to win our contest. This month, we're giving away a Google Nest Mini. And uh, all you need to do is go to our website, click on the newsletter tab, subscribe and you're entered that's it every single contest every contest yeah and we give away tons of great stuff i'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing who gets the google mini that's good luck to you yes all right that's all the time we have we'll see you next time you've been listening to a 980 cknw podcast listen live at cknw.com the radio player canada app tune in amazon alexa hd radio at 101.1 fm hd2 and on the am dial 980 cknw